Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. You hear those words? Talk less, smile more, courtesy of our college football slash NFL analyst, Greg McElroy. Man. He's putting those words right on Cam Newton. Hey, I the tell you, pa- he's one of the best clipboard holders I've ever seen on the He's so whoa, stupid, man. Whoa, he did play for the Jets for he's a minute, right? You, but you, he's my teammate, man. Man, you cut to the white beat too much, man. He threw a big ball. <laughs> no, that's my boy. He's Greg McElroy. I'm just playing with him. He's a tremendous analyst now. But now you're going to try to clean it up too late. He's a right. tremendous analyst. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I understand Z, Greg Greg McElroy. Greg McElroy. He handles swag. So. Uh, Greg McElroy's position, I get it. But wait a minute, though, man. It's almost like Bart to me with the New England Patriots and some of these other teams. Didn't Cam Newton beat up on Greg McElroy in, when they were in college? Didn't they play each other or something like that? Let's go into the way back. Because it machine. might be first the way all, back type of situation there. Hot tub time machine. First of all, I don't hold grudges, man. I just keep it Brazil. I got no beef with New England. I'm just saying, I'm just telling okay. you what I see, Key. All right. I believe you. So this is what McElroy Not- said. We'll dig into the uh, hot tub time machine. We'll hop into it in just one second. But this is what Greg said about the Pats, winners of two in a row against the Jets and then upsetting Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on Sunday night football. They'll be playing the Houston Texans this weekend. Oh, that's homecoming. Great opportunity to get right back there to five and five. They sit in four and five. They're outside of the playoff picture, obviously looking in just a 4% chance to win the division. So they got the Texans. At the moment. But they got the Texans with an opportunity to get to 500 by Sunday. Here's what Greg said. Again, talk less, smile more. Let's give Greg the benefit of the doubt and hear his whole statement about what he thinks about the Pats and their quarterback. Talk less, smile more. That's Hamilton, of course. And if you really look at the Patriots, you would think, based on how they're talking the last couple weeks, that they're in the driver's seat in the NFC East. They're not. They're four and five. They're several games back from the Buffalo mm. Bills and even the Miami Dolphins. They're five games back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we are just a few weeks removed from arguably the worst performance of Cam Newton's career. I mean, we are talking about a Patriots team that needed a to erase a 10-point fourth quarter deficit to the 0-8 New York Jets. Yeah, was last night, was Sunday's game against the Ravens a, a good game, a good win? Yes, absolutely. Quit talking. Okay, key. I hate that you played that. <laughs> why, not, why do you hate that? Now I'm not as mad. I wanted to be hot takey, man, and be upset with what he said. So Smile, let's say more. down just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, now you're going to turn the temperature down. Thanks, brothers. I'm out of steam. All right, so Key, <laughs> key, I'm going to put Key back on the tracks, though. Key mentioned that these two guys have a little bit of history. Greg was a national championship winning quarterback for Alabama, played for Nick Saban. And Cam, of course, was a national championship quarterback playing for the Auburn Tigers. I think we all know what Alabama and Auburn means. Key referenced this right before we heard from Greg, and I thought it was important to hear Greg's entire comment. November 26, 2010, Cam Newton played one season of major college football. They won the national championship. But the one game people remember isn't even the championship game. It's yeah. a game against Alabama yeah. in which Auburn roared back from a huge deficit. Indeed. And on that day, November 26, 2010, it was Cam Newton who went 13 for 20 for 216 yards. But most importantly, a rally for the ages in college football's greatest rivalry, too many to win over Greg McElroy, who keep balled out that day. Balled out 27 for 37, 377 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But Cam gets the win and eventually the BCS National Championship. National Championship, number one pick overall, Heisman Trophy, all those sort of things. So it could be a little bit of little bit of that sting that's still sitting there from him beating him. But look, as far as telling them that they need to say less and smile more and all that, yeah, no. 
have fun with it, embrace it, because much like Bill Belichick said, they are playing better football than what most people may think, period. He knows as the coach, when he's watching the film, the do's and the don'ts that the team has done, the things that cost them the games and the things that won them the games. He knows because he's watching it. He sees it and so does the players. You can certainly tell. Maybe not all flashy with the statistics, mm-hmm. like everybody wants with these quarterbacks, especially Cam, who's polarizing in the sport in itself. They want him to throw for 350 yards every single game. They want to see the same things that they saw against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. They want to see statistics. Yeah. That is not what I want to see. Well, well, I want to see the Sam W's on the board. That's all I care about. Are we winning or are we losing? But, you know, we've been brainwashed, right? Because we've been – I haven't. No, I'm saying we've been brainwashed with this humble pie, these old shug golly type of Patriot teams where everybody says the right thing. And if this was Tom Brady in that same era, in that same spot, hey, we just got to play a little bit better. We're confident. We but feel good about where Cam's we are. Cam's personality. I, I understand so that. it's not so, going to happen. So I, I understand that. And, listen, the same way we can talk about how they struggled against the, the Jets, we can say, hey, arguably they should have beat the Buffalo Bills. So it's just one of those things, right? You, know, you are what your record says, and you know maybe they are a little better. Maybe they feel a little bit more confident that you know Cam is starting to get the offense, starting to pick things up. You know, um, but they got a they got a tough road ahead of them. I mean, because they still have the Cardinals. You know, the Chargers are one of those crazy teams that they can beat anybody on any game because Herbert can get hot. They got the they got the Rams, they got the Dolphins, and they got the Bills again. So, I mean, for them, if they really want to have a re- realistic chance, because we think that maybe they're going to have to be a wild card, yeah. think of the teams that they're going, to consi- they're going to be contending with, the Ravens. They're going to go against the Ravens. They're going to go against the Colts or the Tennessee Titans and, and uh, maybe the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, What's the mission, though? The mission is just to get in the tournament. Right. That's all you have to do. However we get in the yeah. tournament, we get in the tournament. Yeah. Whether we got a 75% to yeah. win the division or 4% mm-hmm. to win the division. It ain't about the division. As long as we get in the tournament, yeah. that's all that matters. Equalize. And I'll say it like a coach would say it. When they stand at the podium and address the team on a Monday morning before yeah. a special teams meeting, one game at a time. Yeah. I'm not, I don't care that we got the Rams three or four weeks from now. Yeah. All I care about is what's in front of me, which is Romeo Cornell in yeah. the Houston Texans. If Bill, if Bill, That's it. If Bill can get this team to the playoffs, I would say this would be arguably be his best coaching job because the luster of the fear of the, of the Pats is worn off because the GOAT isn't there anymore. So if he's able to rally this team, get everybody pulled together, even after the wheels had fell off and put them back on, put training wheels on, put the donuts on, and still get this team to, to a wild card, then I would say this is probably his best coaching job. They're four days and however many hours away from being 5-5. Five and five. Yeah, four days and however many hours from being five and five, and then they'll deal with the next game after that. And I can promise you, and you know this as well as anybody, Bart. One of the last things that you want to see is that dude all of a sudden getting into the playoffs because year in and year out, Mm -hmm. when something happens with the New England Patriots, the first thing that all of the haters start to say is, "Oh, they're done. They're finished. Oh, look, they lost two in a row. Oh, they're done. They're." And then you look up, and they're in the playoffs until they mathematically eliminate it. I'm on the bus. I'm not getting off. But all that you can been, say whatever you want to say. All that's been with the goat, so it's gonna be it's gonna I, be it's gonna be important to see because Cam is held to the to the goat standard, right? Because, By the people that want to hold right. him to that standard. Of course, I'm which not is, holding which, him which to is that Boston. standard. I'm talking about Boston. Well, I don't care about what Boston is talking about. I care about what the coaching staff yeah. mm-hmm. and the players on the team care about. That's all that matters, Bart, is the people in the building. When you start listening to the fan base and all of those sort of things, like coaches say, you'll soon be sitting with them. I would you argue. cannot pay attention yeah. to that crap. Well, Cam, Cam is playing for his career as well. 
Because well, not his career. Just I, 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 I believe his career. I believe keep, his career. No, nah, it's not his career. How many how many starting spots are there available in the NFL? So I think his best his best place to be a starter in this league and continue to be a starter is to be remain a, the quarterback for the for the New England Patriots. To do that, they're going to have to invest in him after that. They love everything that he does. His work. Man, you know how like this that. league is, though, boy. Yeah. You'll look up and the Chicago Bears will be taking Cam next year with a new regime and somebody that was on the staff in Carolina who coached him in college, who knows it. You know how this league is. So I'm not going to say he's playing for his career. He's certainly playing to remain in Foxborough. And be re- relevant, though, because this thing, right? Whether you agree and think that he's a good player or not, you still have Mariota, you got Jameis Winston that's going to be out there. So who's going to, who's going to get that spot? Who's going to get that second chance next year? That's, what he's, that's, that's why he's trying to say all the right things, do all the right things. But his performance hasn't really lived up no, to what his so, – So Jameis Winston is going to be out there as well. If Drew Brees decides to stay, Jameis Winston probably is going to be the number one retread quarterback out there on the books because he's so young. And because he doesn't have the injury history of Cam Newton, it's a lot that comes along with taking Cam Newton. So if Cam wants to continue to have a starting job in his league, it, I think his best chance is in New England. See, when and now I got to jump back in again because there's this narrative that Cam Newton is injury prone. It, it, that's not true. He missed 2019 and missed two games in 18. But that's then he not had, he injury had a, prone. Didn't then he, he have had a COVID. Injury? Then it's COVID. No, I'm talking about, you know, Liz Frank, when you talk about a running mobile quarterback, but, he started wearing down. But it's not injury prone. He missed the entire season or 14 games or whatever it was in 2019. In 2018, he missed two games. That's not injury prone. Injury prone is he missed four games in 17, five in 16. He missed some in 18. He missed 19. That's injury prone to me. Well, I got to check this. Text, cause it always seems I'm like giving it to you off the dome. Ain't no computer in front of me. <laughs> Well, come on, Data. You ain't Data off. No, uh, he's Star Data. Trek, I get, Star Trek, the next no, generation. I, got, what I you get talking about? zooming for all that. I'm just <laughs> telling you what I what I know with my eyes. Cam has not played up to the standards that people have set for him or for himself. He certainly has been up and down. But as long as you winning, yeah. I have no problem with that. He's going to get better as he gets more comfortable, like you said. But, but he's you clearly yeah. can see it. You clearly what, can what, see what, it. Well, tell me this. Next year, free agency, mm-hmm. who has a higher upside? Jameis Winston. Well, Jameis is probably going to stay in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, because Teddy Bridgewater thought he can wait Drew Brees out as well, and Drew Brees just won't leave and give somebody <laughs> else another opportunity. So, you know, do you think Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, who are you taking in free agency? That, that's, on, that's, it, the, it, that's the it, issue. It, it depends on what I see. What I see in Cam, the season's not over, mm-hmm. and Jameis has something to do over the next five five weeks or so whenever Drew Brees comes back to kind of prove that he has learned how to limit his mistakes and things like that. But in, well, in my gonna, opinion, he's going to be in New Orleans. Well, well, James is going to get his opportunity because Drew Brees with the four cracked ribs, he's going to get an opportunity to prove that he can be a, a starter in his league. Man, I tell you what, man, one of the greatest executives I've ever been around and what he did in Atlanta, man, that Kiki Vanderwehr is a hell of an executive. Yes, he is. We're going to talk to Kiki here in oh, just we do. one I was just saying moment. that. I just put it out of the, the air. <laughs> Last thing I would tell you, the biggest Con and thing. Mark. <laughs> the, biggest, <laughs> the biggest problem for the Pats could be just who's in front of them. They're, right now, they're in the 10 spot. But teams 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, all of them are 6 and 3. So they're going to have to leapfrog all of them. They could, with a win, obviously be one back one in the game win at column. Time, but Colts, Raiders, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, Titans, all in front of New England and all with the identical 6 and 3 mark. Pats can get to 5 and 5 coming up Sunday with a win in Think Houston. Think about it this way, Zubin. 
One highlight at a time you must read. One highlight at a time. Take one, one at a time. game at a time. One at a time. The cliches are out there. One interview at a time. We are right, just Yoda. seconds away from talking to, as Bart said, <laughs> Kiki Vandeweghe. This is a great moment for Kiki. He's done a great stuff at the NBA in the front office. Great player himself. Great college player. This is Bob Lee at the beginning of his ESPN tenure about 40 years ago. And we'll go into the Wayback Machine with Kiki on his draft night four decades back. Number 11, the Dallas Mavericks. They had their uh, expansion draft last week when they made their selections of the first 23 players that they will take the camp. And now they're going to pick college players. And today Dallas picked Kiki Vanderway. The Dallas Mavericks uh, upset a few people in New York City. As you would imagine, a lot of Knicks fans were in attendance. They wanted Kiki, but Kiki's going to the Mavericks. 6'8", 210 pounds. Not the swiftest of foot, but a good... Uh, touch from the outside if you're talking about the 12 to 15 foot range and when motivated can hit the boards. And he has a road scholarship on the offing. Whether indeed he will play with da- Dallas, the Mavericks, that's uh, problematical. We'll have to see. But Dallas taking Kiki Vanderway. Indeed, Bob Lee, a young Bob Lee in crystal clear standard definition. Let's bring in Kiki Vanderway. I don't know if Kiki holds a little bit of a grudge on the uh, not fleet of foot. Yeah, yeah, that was a little, that was a little hateration <laughs> right there. You know what I'm saying? I, I got more, he got more fleet of foot than Bob Levy. Tell me that. Yes, they were embracing debate back in 1980. Who knew? We thought it was just a new thing here. Let's welcome in Kiki inside the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. He currently is the NBA's Executive Vice President of Operations, which you might imagine was an incredible job this past season to get everything done. Kiki, good morning. First of all, just take us back to draft night. We had Cassius Stanley of Duke here earlier. This kid's life is going to change tonight no matter where he goes. You had this this moment 40 years ago coming out of UCLA. Take us back. Not fleet of foot. I don't understand that. I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's, he was absolutely, probably was absolutely right. I was not that fleet of foot, but maybe I could shoot a little bit farther out than, you know, 12 to 15 feet. I don't know. Uh, but I, what, what I would say about draft night is and draft day, everything leading up to the draft this is really what dreams are made of for every single basketball player that laces it up. Um, you know, you just, you know, you're excited. Um, I remember, you know, I can't believe it's 40 years ago, but um, you know, I can remember it like yesterday, just sitting and waiting. And, and um, you know, it was, uh, it was a morning when I woke up, I was looking for a gym to go shoot in, in, in New York city. And, you know, just kind of, okay, I got to, you know, I got to start practicing. Um, but you're just, you're just so excited. You have no idea where you're going to go, but really anywhere in the NBA uh, that you go is a win. Um, you know, just playing in the NBA is uh, obviously an honor and you, you understand that, but I can't imagine today with all the news that's out there, the social media, what, what these kids are, are going through, but you know, I'm I'm just excited excited for them. Obviously, the draft is going to be a little bit different this year. Usually, it's at the Barclays Center, and and uh, for me, it was at Madison Square Garden. Um, actually, at the Paramount Theater, which used to be the, I believe, the Felt Forum um, is where they had the draft. But anyway, uh, you know, they're just it's just a great time. This is, this is the gateway to the NBA. This is the gateway to all their dreams um, to play against the best in the world. Kiki, you were working in the NBA front office. You're working in the NBA front office now, the executive vice president of operations. What has it been like for you in the last year in the shutdown and having to go into the bubble at Disney? 
Uh, you know, it was, believe it or not, it was a great experience. Um, you know, some of the things that define that, um, you know, obviously, you, you, you're not in control. Nobody is. Nobody's been through anything like this before. Uh, so, you, you, you know, you, the, the things that come to mind for me, are the great teamwork that went on, the partnerships, the sacrifice from the players and everybody involved, uh, just to, just to make it happen. Um, you know, it was, it was quite a, quite a collaborative enterprise. Um, you know, the players and everybody, uh, were away from their family. Some, in, including myself, were, were in Orlando and in the bubble for three months, but really, the basketball was so fantastic. You know, you had emerging stars, um, you know, Doncic and Booker and Murray, just unbelievable uh, game-winning shots, you know, sort of heroes emerging. And, and obviously, congratulations to the Lakers and, and uh, you know, Miami for a great run. Um, you know, but really it was – hats off to the players. I, I, I got to say, you know, led by CP3, who's uh, president um, – of the players union. Um, he's going to have a great time in, in, in Phoenix, Kyle Lowry amongst some, among many, many others. The leadership from, from all the players was tremendous. And, and uh, just, just to make the whole thing work, everybody had to work together. Um, and I, I'm just happy we were able to, to play basketball again. The fans were able to, to watch these great athletes and, and uh, get a little respite from, you know, what was going on in, in uh, the real world, if you will. Kiki, what do you think has been learned from the NBA from the other leagues that was outside of the bubble moving forward? So, you know, we're, we're in constant contact with all the other leagues. Um, and we learned a lot from each, each and every league, uh, what worked, what didn't work. As I said, nobody's been through this before. So, you know, the, there were a lot of people um, in, the, in the league office and from teams and, and uh, players, as I said, talking all the time uh, amongst each other in the NBA, but also to all the other leagues, learning what we could. Uh, but I, I would say, you know, if you're going to learn anything, it's, it's you have to be flexible. You can make all these great plans, which we did, but you have to learn to adjust and you have to learn to control what you can. Um, you know, obviously the protocols – uh, that were put in place uh, to make uh, the bubble work in Orlando were, were very strict. Um, the testing, the quarantines, and, and um, you know, uh, working together, making sure that uh, everybody was paying attention to all those all those things. And that's that's really what's going to make it work going forward for all the leagues. Uh, but we continue to talk all the time to to all the other leagues and, and learn when we can and and adjust where we have to. How important was it for you guys to really agree with the players on a December 22nd, um, you know, start date? And will you guys be more lenient um, for guys who decide to lean more on, on load management, knowing that teams like the Heat and the Lakers, you know, play a lot later in the season than a lot of other squads? Sure. We, I mean, we understand that, that uh, it's a quick turnaround. I think everyone understands that. But, it, but it's really what was the right thing. Uh, for the business, um, and you know, as 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 you as you guys know, um, and our most of our fans know, it's a partnership. It's a it's a partnership between the teams uh, uh, and the and the players, and so we go forward together. And you know, we we understand that at, at times it's not going to be perfect, and I think we go in knowing that. Um, again, but I think everybody at the end of the day decided, hey, we really want to 
get started playing basketball. And you think about, you know, obviously we've got the draft tonight, but you think about the players uh, that came out of college and, and uh, you know, some of them hadn't played uh, organized basketball for eight months or so. Typically they'd, they'd be with their teams all summer and um, you know, they, they want to get started and, and most players wanted to start to play again. I think the teams wanted to start to play again, obviously uh, you know, health and safety has to be, uh, first and foremost, for everybody involved, and and that that includes all the people, you know, not only on the court, uh, our players, our referees, but everybody working in the arenas. And, and um, you know, this year uh, we're probably not going to have a bubble. It's probably it's going to be in in home arenas, um, which which will be a little bit different. But the protocols, you know, will probably be similar to Orlando, although that that remains to be seen. But it again. It, for it to work, it's got to be a collaborative effort, and you know the uh, the players were right there with us, and I, I really thank them for their for their leadership. Indeed, well said. Draft tonight, free agency two days away, training camp December first, and those fans in those stands, if possible, fingers crossed, December twenty second when the NBA season begins. Kiki, I know it's a busy day for you. Thanks for spending a few with us. Thank you so much. Be, be, be watching tonight. It's going to be exciting. All right. Yeah, Fight on, by the way, Kiki. Oh, UCLA guy. Plenty, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> plenty, plenty feet of foot. <laughs> plenty feet of foot. That's on Keyshawn. Sure. I have to just, you know. That SC-UCLA rivalry never there, well, Basketball, there is no rivalry. Uh, I'll tell, tell you what, man. Keyshawn is going to be unbearable for this entire 2021 because his two teams won a championship, man. <laughs> on the way. The starting quarterback of one of the most legendary programs in college football history who might be about to offer Eh. a legendary finish to this season. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, there was a time, and maybe it's just the pandemic, maybe it's just 2020, maybe it's just the world looking to flip the calendar to 2021. Our next guest is one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football, has been for quite some time. But there is something strange about Notre Dame signal caller shepherding an undefeated team in the top five, looking to try to win the national championship and not getting a ton of ink everywhere. Think about that. Quarterback, Notre Dame, undefeated. So let's do that. Let's give Ian Book a little more shine. It's been so much Lawrence talk, so much Fields talk. This kid is right there with him. And he joins us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Ian, just from your role as the quarterback at Notre Dame, from having some practices canceled early to the win over Clemson to the field storming after that. Just take us through what this season has been like for you individually. Yeah. Uh, first off, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. But uh, this year it's just definitely been different. Obviously we had one spring ball practice and, you know, right after that, we weren't even sure if we were going to play this year. And uh, this team just did a good job of 
just sticking with it and fighting through. And, uh, you know, now here we are. We are able to beat the number one team in the country, and we're undefeated, and uh, we've got a few more games to go. And it's just been unbelievable. This team's done just such a good job of, you know, keeping the, the goal the same thing and of winning a national championship. And uh, we're on the right track. And, um, you know, with everything going on with COVID, this team's just done an unbelievable job of following all the protocols and making sure everybody's safe. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're just really happy we can play football. And it's been a year that, you know, we'll never forget. And uh, we've got some more work to do, that's for sure. Yeah, all that's fine and dandy, man. But you should have been a Trojan. You know that. You know better than that. But, I, I, <laughs> but look, Ian, like I told Coach T, I'll accept the fact that you are a Notre Dame fighting Irish and good luck to you the rest of the season. Let me ask you about uh, this scheduled season that you're playing in the ACC. How different has it been? Although you've played some ACC opponents in the past, but this entire year it's ACC. Yeah, it's definitely different. You know, first off, we just feel fortunate that we were able to join a conference and play this year, but um, you know, it's just Notre Dame's always been known for being independent and being able to play whoever, you know, whoever, whoever it is. And um, this year's been different, but we, again, we just feel fortunate that we could join a conference. We obviously play a lot of AC teams, ACC teams to begin with, but it's just different. You know, every week we're seeing, you know, who's the ACC player of the week, ACC lineman of the week, and just all these awards that, you know, we're not really um, used to, and it's just different, but uh, we just feel fortunate to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, it's going the way we want it to go right now. But again, got a few games that we, that we got left on the schedule that we got to take care of. Now, you know, when you, you know, become number two in the, in the country, the spotlight is on you um, and everybody's seeing the improvements in your game. What did you focus on this previous offseason and, and why has it seemed to all come together for you in, in this season? Yeah, there was a lot of things, but, you know, there was a couple of main things. One was just leadership. I just wanted to, I'm the old guy now on campus. I'm a fifth year. Um, just being there for everybody on the team, you know, whenever they need me. And the second thing was just just even more film time with Coach Reese. Just every little detail. I want to understand why. I want to be on the same page as him. And we've gotten to a point now where there's a lot of times I know what he's going to call before he calls it. And that's just an unbelievable feeling to be on the same page with, the, with, uh, with your offensive coordinator. And uh, we've kind of gone through everything together because he started as my quarterback coach. And now he's, you know, the coordinator. So it's just been uh, – He's just been, you know, he's been everything for me. He's really helped me learn everything and uh, just the chemistry. That would be the last part. You know, we missed, we had one spring ball practice and, uh, you know, everyone, maybe some people started to panic. This team just got together, you know, in a safe way and we were able to get those reps in and, and we feel really confident with, you know, the chemistry on the outside, especially the guys in the perimeter. You know, when I came in the league, um, a six-feet quarterback, you know, being ranked really high and having an opportunity for people to believe that they're going to be a great pro, was 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 far in between because we had the six feet five. You had to be the statue in the middle. We had this conversation a little earlier in the show about Russell Wilson and how he's liberated the shorter quarterbacks. Um, how do you feel now the the fact that you, you know you're going to get an equal shot to to be looked upon as just a, a, a quarterback and not really not have your height come into into um, into the conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I just think you know. Yeah, it started with Russell Wilson, but, you know, even after that, there was, you know, Kyler Murray and all these other guys that are – the game is changing. And uh, I just think, you know, if you can go out there and get it done and lead your team to victory, however it may look, however tall you are, then, then so be it. So I'm all for it, obviously. And uh, I just – those are the guys I love looking up to and watching. I watch Drew Brees all the time. I watch uh, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I just like watching all their games. And 
uh, it's definitely motivating. Ian Book, Notre Dame starting quarterback, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Ian, you guys take on North Carolina this weekend. They once were ranked the fifth team in the country. What problems could they present for you guys? Yeah, they're a great team. It's going to be a, it's going to be an awesome matchup. Um, you know, they're coming off a bye week, so are we. And you know, they have an offense that uh, scores a ton of points. So, you know, for us as an offense, when we get the ball, you know, we need to make the most of it. We got to go, you know, go score touchdowns and not field goals. So, um, we just got to, you know, keep doing what we're doing. And uh, we always say, like, every opponent is a faceless opponent. Just keep doing what we're doing, following our process. And uh, it'll take care of itself. But they're a great team. They've shown that week in and week out. And we just can't wait uh, for the matchup. Having a long off season, obviously very short training camps, stalled schedule in and out because of COVID. What things have you been able to work on to improve your game just to get ready to play college football? Uh, probably just, again, meeting with Coach Reese. Um, just attacking the film room. I want to understand why things are happening, you know, what's the best way to attack certain defenses and just getting into that film room and, and uh, seeing the game through his eyes, you know, as the coordinator and being on the same page. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Ian Book, Notre Dame starting quarterback, with us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. So, Ian, uh, you, you used two words that perked up my ears, and I, I really want to ask this question because I think a lot of Notre Dame fans are wondering. Those two words are Coach Reese. And for people that aren't aware, Tommy Reese was a former Notre Dame quarterback, essentially was in your shoes and now is helping to call the plays. What is it like to be in the QB room with him or on the sideline with him, knowing that everything you're going through, he essentially went through in one of the most scrutinized positions in all of college football, Notre Dame quarterback? Yeah, uh, I actually say it a lot. I think learning from somebody who's done it and has done it at the same exact spot I have he's been through the same privileges the same pressures it just helps he understands everything and uh you know he's more than just a coach to me he's a friend he I can go into his office and and talk about anything we can talk about life and uh he's there for me and I really really appreciate that but he's gone through everything I've gone through here you know the target you know a lot of people don't like Notre Dame there's a big target on our, on our back to yeah including you. me the guy talking <laughs> to you <laughs> And then you become the quarterback, the target, it's even bigger on your back. So it's just part of the position, but um, he's gone through it all. And, and he's had unbelievable advice for me. And he's told me, you know, what he's done in his career that, you know, he doesn't want me to do and stuff like that. And he's just been, uh, he's just been in my corner and he's someone that will always be in my corner. So it's been unbelievable. Who had the better fight song when you was growing up, USC or Notre Dame? Just kidding. <laughs> Notre Dame. You know, I grew up. My brother was a USC fan, and I was a UCLA fan. So yeah. I haven't, I haven't never liked the Trojans. Oh, see now, come on now, Ian. That, okay, now we're gonna have to keep you out of California, man. But good luck and good luck this weekend against North Carolina. You deserve everything you're getting. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You got it. That's Ian Book on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Key is a USC legend. I'll tell you, Key. Ian Book keeps playing like this. He brings a national championship back to Notre Dame for the first time, I believe, since 1988 when Tony Rice was there. I mean, you do that. He's a legend right now, but you do that forever. He'll forever. be like in that Theo Epstein category, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Young guy doing great things. Great stuff. Good, good luck to him and maybe, just maybe, Lawrence and Book instead of Uyangalele and Book. Lawrence Uy, and Book. Uy, Uyangale. Yeah. Yeah, I got it almost right. Almost. I can't have Notre Dame winning the national championship, though. I just can't. But Ian it, said how polarized they have legions of fans, I but legions of critics. Yeah, do yeah. it. It's so funny, though. 
Notre Dame, you know, because you get some Notre Dame alums that live out in California. Everywhere. In, right. in, but in California, right? Because yeah. it's heavy SC. Right. They hide. <laughs> it, they don't say they went to Notre Dame. They hide their logos, no shirts. Notre Dame wins a the game. They, you see all the Notre Dame people yeah. walking. You're like, come on, man. Front runners. And that's because y'all USC guys are rowdy, man. <laughs> and that's the one thing about not having a great man, college football season in its <laughs> pure form because we would have gotten Notre Dame and USC. But obviously, playing the ACC, yeah, playing the Pac 12, you got to do it. We'll be back. We'll play them twice next year. <laughs> Maybe once in the regular season and once in the playoff. Maybe that's the way it'll go. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. On the way on this Wednesday morning, a first look to Thursday night football with an MVP candidate and an MVP candidate may be moving in opposite directions. That's next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Uh, one thing from the AFC and then one thing from the NFC. We're back. Bart, Keyshawn, Zubin. You got to feel that, Zubin. You feel that all the way over no, here. No, Zubin, see, he, Zubin. Zubin, that, you feel that all the way over here. Zubin want to get right to the sports, though, <laughs> man. He ain't. Uh, go ahead, let it out, Zubin. You feeling that You feeling that in your sweater, though? We have to, I see that sweater, to let Zubin. it breathe a little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> this is at the time when you roll into the bar, Zubin, and you, you know, that's when mm-hmm. you're at the bar. You, Keyshawn, you wave the Keyshawn, bartender Keyshawn, over. Keyshawn, two-stepping up in that thing. Yeah, that's when you – and then you roll up to the bar and you say, give me a Jack and Coke or whatever this is drink is. <laughs> Jack and Coke, the airport drink of oh, choice. Oh, right? God. I thought that's it was an airport Jack drink, and Jack and Coke. I thought so it was gross. different. I thought you would walk in the club and be like, give me the special. And it's like, it's the key special. You ain't had your no, own drink? No, I'm just saying Zubin. Oh, okay, I okay, okay, okay. I, I don't go to clubs. Okay. I'm just saying. Just, you just know, let me down, Key. I thought you had the Lounges or something like that. <laughs> More laid back for Key. So this that morning, is an airport drink, though, Jack and Coke. Jack and Coke. Oh, God. That'll be $11. Thank you. <laughs> right? Whenever you're in the airport and you go to the bar, people are drinking like Jack and Coke yeah. and just 
Ugh. Give me a Manhattan. It's like an old man drink to me. Yes, back in the day when people were going to airports. We're asking the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin Nation, <laughs> who will win <laughs> the AFC East? You have weighed in. Thanks for all your tweets. 65% of you have said the safe choice, the Buffalo Bills, who have a 75% chance to win according to the Football Power Index. Manzioni 33 at Manzioni 33. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Quote, the Bills are scoring a lot of points against good defenses, and they have a strong D themselves. Dolphins won't have the firepower at the end of the season. That's his opinion. We'd, of course, love to hear yours. Even when we're done off the air at 10 a.m. Eastern, you can always hit us up at KeyJNZ. That's the story in the AFC. In the NFC, fellas, Week 11, Bart starts tomorrow. Arizona, Seattle, three-way logjam atop the NFC West with Arizona, Seattle, and the Rams at 6-3. and Arizona with the game in hand against Seattle. Win tomorrow night. In Seattle, they wake up Friday morning in first place, yeah. and they got a legit MVP contender under center. I mean, that's what we're looking for, to see if they can handle the expectations, if they can go in there and take it, because Russell Wilson is so veteran. He knows how to navigate through a lot of situations. He understands that he hasn't played well. So you, I, I expect a tremendous performance from Russell Wilson. You know, can Kyler Murray match that? And also, is this team ready to take the next step? You know, when you first of all, when you're trying to learn how to win and you're a young team with Hopkins, Murray, I understand Fitzgerald is there, but, you know, this is a new outfit with, with uh, Kingsbury. Like, these are the games that define you when you're saying, you know what, we're going to take over this division. These are the games that you have to take because, you know, Seattle's not going to go quietly into the night. They've been the, they've been the standard in this division for about five years mm-hmm. now, and they're not going to give it away easy. You have to snatch it from the from – the, not just five years, pretty much since Pete Carroll has taken over, even in the seven and nine season when they beat the New Orleans Saints in the beast mode playoff game. So yeah. you look at it much like Bart is saying, there's a few games here and there in people's careers that catapult you to the next level. This is one for Kyler Murray. We saw the hell Murray, as people are calling it now, yes. to DeAndre Hopkins. He needs to continue to move forward based on that momentum. He doesn't need to take a step back. It's a tough place to play in Seattle, fans or no fans. The weather's going to be uh, somewhat a little bit of showers here and there. It could be cold. You're coming out of a dome and warm weather in Arizona into a slick environment in Seattle. If he wins this and pulls this off, think about it, Z. This will be the third time in three tries here recently, straight, that is, that Seattle has beaten uh, or Arizona has beaten Seattle twice up in Seattle and once in the desert. So that's something to look at and, and take note. Jamal Adams is back. Their their defense has been playing poorly, but one one caveat to this is he can tackle. Yeah, that has, that has, he can tackle. And when a guy like Kyler Murray gets loose into the secondary, he's a sure tackler. So that'll be an interesting matchup for me. It'd be interesting to see how Ken Norton chooses to use Jamal Adams. Because, you know, this, these teams have been giving you talk about, you know, um, you know, they've been giving up big plays. So yeah. do you do you, do you tell Jamal, go down into the box and deal with Kyler, or do you want to play two high safeties? Because, you know, with Hopkins and, and Christian Kirk, they, they, they've been beating you deep. And do they try to um, formation Jamal into having to cover? Because that's he, he's better than that. But, you know, if you formation a guy, you can take them out of those blitzes and force them to play deep and try and get those one-on-one matchups down the field with Jamal. And how much does he really trust that growing coming back? It's going to be an intriguing game. I love to see safeties lined up in the secondary. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, let's get that trip slot. We know we got him man-to-man down the field. Let me ask you guys this question because we often talk about this in other sports, most notably the NBA. Like, every year LeBron's been in the league. For the most part, he could have won the MVP. Every year Michael was in the league, he could have won the yeah. MVP. MVP, but you have to have different storylines. In the NFL, I guess you could give it to Mahomes the way he started his career every time. But last year, Jackson burst out. He was a great story. 
Is there anything to be said, Key and Bart, for the story of the Arizona Cardinals? They're coming off a 5-10-1 season. Yes, they went to the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner and Ken Wisenhunt, but for the majority of the time in the franchise, whether it's been Chicago, St. Louis, the old St. Louis, uh, St. Louis Neil Cardinals. Lomax. Neil Lomax, mm-hmm. the old St. Louis Cardinals, or since they moved to the desert with the Bidwell family. For the entirety of the franchise, for the most part, with that one Super Bowl appearance notwithstanding, this has been one of the, I would say, most mediocre franchises in the NFL. So if you have an opportunity for a guy to burst out of the pack at the quarterback position to take the lead in the division for a franchise that's coming off a 5-10-1 year, and the only thing that's really changed is their quarterback has one more year of maturity, could that fault Kyler Murray? What do you got? Don't say that. They went and got the number. They took an aggressive move to go get the number one receiver in right. all of football. But to help that number one pick, yeah. right, DeAndre Hopkins, what if you do that? Uh, how much better does that make Kyler Murray's MVP candidacy? Just his story, downtrodden franchise, lifting them up, new heights. I think it's there. I think it's a small piece of it, though. I think the momentum side of it is really the way you got to look at it, the fact that they won against the Buffalo Bills, they have an opportunity and a chance to be the leader of the pack within the NFC West. You just keep building on that. He he can't have any stinkers. Everything has got to be on top now because they're, it's, it's in your eyes right now. I mean, think about it. When people burst onto the scene as somebody that is a player – whether it's an OBJ on a Monday night with a one-hand catch in New York City, oh, my God, it catapulted him to another level as far as a receiver goes. Whether it's myself in an, in an AFC divisional game against the Jacksonville Jaguars balling out where now all of a sudden, yeah, he's the number one pick, but wow. Now you got a Kyler Murray in this situation when you look at it and you go, okay, he's been doing some of this stuff. His signature is three games – down by points in the fourth quarter, late in drives, winning those games on miraculous plays, Hail Mary, scrambles for touchdowns, scampering in the end zone. That momentum he has to carry. If he goes up to Seattle and they lay an egg or he goes up to Seattle and they win and they he play like he kind of played in Dallas on a couple plays, but overall the game stinks, uh, stunk for him, that momentum goes away. It just goes away. I just think I think he closed the distance, but I think he'll get a nod from some guys. But for the most part, I think you can still maybe give it to Brady. You're going to give it to Aaron Rodgers, and you can always you know stamp Mahomes' name on every year. I think he'll come just short, but if he's able to continue this trajectory next year, he'll be able to maybe get it. Indiana, he can coach, steal it. He can Tom steal Allen it like Lamar. Tomorrow did. they got Ohio State, their biggest game since 1967 when they played USC. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.